Hey, people of the world, it's Max Fun Drive. That's right. It's Max Fun Drive, everybody. This is the time of year we devote to inviting you to become a member of the Maximum Fun Network, or if you are already a member, to boost or upgrade your membership and support this show with your monthly contribution. It's how we maintain our independence and how we keep the show going for you to enjoy. And it's also a great time to join and get perks, which we will talk about later. That's right. Whether you are a first-time listener for this episode or you've been listening since the beginning, it's super easy to get involved, and it's important to support the art and artists that you enjoy. You're going to be able to look at all the levels and select your favorite shows like ours, for example, who will benefit from your contribution when you visit MaximumFun.org slash join. But for now, let's get on with the show. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Star Wars sequel. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. How? Here is what? what I love. I'm I'm sorry for yelling. Why I just are you yelling was, at me. It was just like a, a a big, like say how. I didn't want to begin in that, like that much of a 1930s way. Really aggressive. Like I'm you sorry. thought I fell asleep. What? <laughs> I'm awake. I'm well, how you're? Dro- why are you drooling all over yourself then? That's just something I do on the weekends. For oh me. yeah. Why do you have that pillow mark on your face? Well, it's something I do on the weekends for me. I don't want to talk about it. Why do you have that little cloud above your head with sheep? Wait, are you are you yawning? Did you no, fall asleep? No, no, I'm good. Get up, Hal. What's up? We have what? a show to do. Okay, fine. I'm up. Here's what I love uh, about yes. our guests is they do on a much larger scale a thing that we have always prided ourselves on doing, which is settling arguments. <laughs> if someone has a question about Star Wars and two people are both saying, hmm, pretty sure at one another. These are the people that will answer those questions definitively and answering questions definitively is what we do. And that's why we have them back on here. Molly and Alex Damon, thank you for coming back to the show. Thank you for having us back. Yeah. Yeah. This will be a controversy free episode. I'm sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> this is, if there was ever one that's just going to result in an outpouring of love from all people <laughs> online, it is this one. Now, of course, for those of you who listen to the show, you know that Alex and Molly Damon, who were here last week, are from Star Wars Explained, where they help break down and explain for people in, ve- in like very simple bite sized ways. Not only things that have happened in the movies, but questions you may have that arise from watching them because they have read it, they've watched it, they've listened to it, they know it, and they explain it to you. And we have brought them back here to settle what could be our least controversial episode ever, which is the best of the three Star Wars sequels in the trilogy that begins with The Force Awakens, then goes into The Last Jedi, and ends with 2019's Rise of Skywalker. So let's talk for five minutes about Force Awakens and then argue for 55 <laughs> minutes about the other two. Not so fast. <laughs> Not so fast. This is a very interesting trilogy in mm-hmm. that George Lucas, it, by this point, Disney has full ownership and control. George Lucas is involved in no official way with any of these films. This is J.J. Abrams writing and directing or uh, with Lawrence Kasdan, The Force Awakens. Then. 
Ryan Johnson writes and directs Last Jedi. Then Chris Terrio and J.J. Abrams write The Rise of Skywalker, which he directs as a replacement director after the original was let go for creative differences. Who was the original? For reasons. Uh, Colin Trevorrow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little J.J. Sandwich, that trilogy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a J.J. Sandwich. (laughs) With some Ryan Johnson in the middle. Yeah. The big old hearty Ryan Johnson steak in the middle. Now, (laughs) do you like your sandwiches mostly bread and a little bit of steak? Do you like your sandwiches mostly steak and a little bit of bread? That's what we're here to determine. Yeah. How are we going to approach this? Because this is different than Mm -hmm. the prequel trilogy. Not that it suffers from this, but it introduces a lot of characters that we don't know. There are a few touch points from the original trilogy that are there and more as the series goes by. This Mm -hmm. one is way more entrenched in the original trilogy lore and uses that as the leaping off point to say, where are we all these years? Where are we 32 years after Return of the Jedi? What's happened? So I think it has a lot more pressure on it, especially coming after the prequels, which are so divisive Mm -hmm. as a whole. This is just a tough one. (laughs) (laughs) let's try if we can to begin the same way just going through the movies Mm. the way that we did with our prequel episode where we we can even look at some of the same categories uh Mm -hmm. that we were looking at in that the feeling that the movies give you the iconic moments from those movies whether or not they were executed well the story they were telling i added that one all things considered for uh, this particular thing. And we can start with that. And eventually, I'm sure we will get to the instead of Lincoln Douglas debate, like in high school. Now it's uh, Johnson Abrams debate. We will get to that. But let's start by just talking about the movie. How's that? Let's start with Force Awakens and what they were trying to do. And uh, I will leave this to Alex and Molly coming back from something like or adding the chapters seven, eight and nine. I've heard a lot of different things about how, well, Force Awakens was just a new hope, but with new characters. How did you approach this? Last time we talked about how the first of the trilogy, Phantom Menace, was both of you as kids going into your first Star Wars movie in the theater. Now seeing a new trilogy, how was this experience different for you? How did you guys, what was the feeling you got from Force Awakens? I love The Force Awakens, honestly. Mm -hmm. I, I think I cut it a whole lot of slack. Uh, I think it had just an impossible job. <laughs> um, mm. it, there's no way it's going to please everyone. A New Hope is my favorite Star Wars movie. So I'm like, I'm fully like, yeah, it's the same similar kind of story beats. But that's probably why I like it so much. It is just mm. so much fun to watch. I think that it rippled out with issues for the rest of the sequel trilogy. But you know, I just I remember being in that theater and I remember at what moment I was just like, oh, my God, they did it. Like, I, yeah. I feel this is Star Wars. I was just having so much fun with it. Yeah, I, I agree. I love this movie to pieces. And it's interesting because after Revenge of the Sith, that was what, 2005, we were both graduating high school. A lot of life stuff happening between 05 and 2015 for us. And so like, I didn't watch the Clone Wars until after this movie, after Force Awakens came out. And like, it wasn't until we were doing the channel until I watched that stuff. So it was a Mm -hmm. big Star Wars break for me. So when this came out, it just reignited my entire love for Star Wars. It spoke to me directly as a woman to have Rey as the main kind of character and just having that female lead in Star Wars. I was like, I didn't realize how 
much it would mean to me until after I saw this film. And I was just like, I love it to bits. <laughs> I, I think that's also a good thing to point out that if you compare our fandom right now to where it was mm-hmm. in 2015, it's night and day. Like the channel, I started the channel on January 5th, 2015, something like that. And I was like, just doing little lore videos. But yeah, we had so much life stuff going on between going to college and getting our first jobs and there was so much other stuff. We were not mm-hmm. as deeply entrenched in Star Wars the way we are now. So mm-hmm. I think our fandom was even a little more casual. And it was just like, let's go have fun and watch a Star War at the movies. And that's what I felt like we got. Yeah. yeah, for me, the prequel trilogy felt like getting a new pair of shoes where they were really uncomfortable at first. But the more I wore them, they just became comfortable and they sort of got broken in. This felt like putting on your robe fresh out of the dryer. It's familiar <laughs> and it's warm and it feels like a hug and mm-hmm. everybody's back. It was great to see Han Solo and Chewbacca. And, you know, those are all the questions I had after watching the original trilogy is what happened? It, how close is this going to be to the heir to the empire cycle? How <laughs> stuff that I read and we're, we are just like we did with the prequels. We're going to sort of put some blinders on mm-hmm. and sort of keep it to the films themselves. But I, you know, I had a lot of questions and, this helped answer them a little bit. And there are are parts of this that will feed into the controversy that The Last Jedi elicited from different sides of the fan base. But even if this is a retread, it felt like that was what was needed. It felt like we needed to be reintroduced, that this, we needed to set the tone for what this trilogy was going to be about. And it felt mm-hmm. more like a return to the original trilogy than a more maybe complex George Lucas, what I say is going to go kind of feeling i think it benefits from being a little further away from him in the same way that empire strikes back did when you had other people come in and sort of write and direct and play in that sandbox even though he was more involved is they're going to find more things in it that george lucas might not because he's so focused on very specific parts of how he's going to tell his story so it's exciting the new character is great ray is great finn is great poe dameron is great bb8 is even Mm -hmm. cute I love all the characters. <laughs> yeah. All the, and they're all introduced so perfectly. Like every character gets the introduction that that character is supposed to have, whether it's Finn defecting and the blood smear on the helmet. That whole scene is amazing. You know, finding Ray's whole, uh, her scavenging inside the guts of these old ships is just beautiful. I think this is among my favorite Star Wars movies. Just we were talking about, you know, personal opinions versus which ones are objectively the best. This one of my of the three is my favorite among many Star Wars movies. I love every little detail. I love Kylo Ren's introduction in this is terrifying. And then he takes the helmet off, the thing Darth Vader could never do. Mm-hmm. That to me was one of those really great character moments. Yeah, I think the characters in this one are so rich and aren't just sort of representations of a mythology. They're actual fully fleshed out characters. I've nothing, I got no problem with this. I got nothing bad to say about this movie. (laughs) I feel very similar. Yeah. (laughs) To touch on Kylo Ren more, I think that he is a genius jumping off point for a villain where it's like, Mm -hmm. how do we one up Darth Vader? We can't do that. And you're right. You can't. So we make a villain that desperately wants to be Darth Vader and Darth cannot. Vader's biggest fan. Like, yes, that's <laughs> such a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Even as and, collectibles. Yeah. And his backstory is so complex being the child of Leia and Han. Mm-hmm. Just 
everything about it Kyler Ren I love I, I love his like theme music or like the first order theme music like bah, 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 bah. just like when you hear that you're like yes the baddie yeah <laughs> yeah it kind of calls back to the original Darth Vader theme from New Hope that da, 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 mm, yes. like that it's it's a really fun thematic piece and everything about Kylo Ren is a choice so many of the characters are mm-hmm. guided by their fate or destiny he's constantly making a choice to be who he is he mm-hmm. that's what's one of those genius things about his helmet is that he can take it off he chooses to wear that because it makes him mm-hmm. feel closer to his grandfather that he never knew that he idolizes and i think he also does it for the gain in the speaker oh sure because <laughs> oh, he can yeah. talk he can talk real quiet like that's a Darth Vader had the breathing thing. He has the, I'm going to talk as quietly as possible, but turn the pain up really high. Like, you're like, oh, it makes you sound scary. <laughs> yeah, Ray, Ray straight up thinks he's a creature in a mask mm-hmm. when he kidnaps her. And he's like, well, let me take that off and show you. Oh, yeah. And the moments of comedy in this are great. You mentioned Ray in that moment where he's kidnapped her when she realizes the power that she has as uh, allows herself to be unlocked or gets herself unlocked. And then he just drops the gun on the way out. Just those little J.J. Abrams moments. Those yes. feel like pure J.J. to me. A little credit of- to Daniel Craig for that. Yeah. <laughs> for what? He That's plays Daniel the Craig. Let's get but- out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh, see, this is why he I like was, having he was filming what show. Skyfall. Wasn't he working on Skyfall in the same uh, right. at Pinewood, and then came over? That's, I had no idea that, was that suit, Craig. and he and he was like, "I'll do it, but don't you can't tell anybody it was me." The, the yeah. sequel trilogy is full of stormtrooper cameos. I oh love his God. line of "and I'll drop my weapon," just like yeah. as he's walking out. Like, yep. It's it's such a perfect little comedy moment, and I think <laughs> that's why I love this movie so much. And it's weird to say that about one of the movies that Lucas was not involved in. That J.J. Abrams is such a fan, having a good time. You're watching a kid play with his Star Wars toys. Well, these are all fan yeah. films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these, yeah, this generation of filmmakers, mm-hmm. J.J. and Ryan both. Yeah. Grew up on Star Wars. Sure. And now they get handed the reins to these characters and they get to take over. So you And then they just see... start killing them like it's Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get to see the things that they cherish and then the things that they want to challenge. Mm-hmm. And that's where the friction exists in the fan base, I think, is mm-hmm. that, well, these are fans making movies and we are fans. I think fans, by and large, have an expectation and entitlement, conscious or unconscious, to be serviced. That mm-hmm. I know how this should go because mm-hmm. I care about these characters more than anybody else. So my reaction and the joy or disappointment I feel in watching it, it stems directly from that. Is it meeting my personal expectations? Mm-hmm. And with Star Wars, there's just there's no way any film can completely satisfy anybody. Well, that's the thing about the Star Wars universe is that it is so universal Mm -hmm. (laughs) like everyone Mm -hmm. relates to it in some way and so yeah one story is never ever going to please everyone in the fandom it's just impossible Yeah, and and everyone interprets it very differently Mm -hmm. you can just really see that with the sequel trilogy (laughs) and in appreciating it differently i think that they've done over the years different things you know what i mean like if you don't necessarily like space fantasies Okay, it's all under that umbrella, but here's a cartoon for kids. Here's a cartoon for younger kids. Here's a old timey Western. Mm-hmm. Lone gunman comes in like they figured out 
they're playing within a bunch of different genres. So there's always, I think there is something for everybody in this world and in the storytelling of it. Something I kind of meant to say about the prequels and I'll say it now, it's just that I think it was important because it was so different. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, you know, star Wars is not just this one thing. It's not just the original trilogy. It can also be something a little different. And so, yeah, not every story is going to be for you. Star Wars resistance is not made for adults. You can still Mm -hmm. enjoy it. I I like some of it, but yeah, it's kind of just a pick and choose what does speak to you. Mm -hmm. Being someone who reads and watches and plays everything that comes out. I'm definitely like, yeah, Star Wars is very diverse in its storytelling and its themes and what it can do. And I think maybe if you're just watching the movies, it doesn't feel that way. I think even mm-hmm. the movies can, the stakes for them become higher. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, this is the only Star Wars I'm going to get all year. Or now it's like a three-year gap. And this has to nail it. And if it doesn't, it's like, well, they dropped the ball. If I don't like a Star Wars movie, I'm like, well, I just got Fallen Order, which is one of my favorite Star Wars video games or stories ever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like riding high off that. 100%. Yeah, we have an embarrassment of riches as fans. Mm-hmm. And even if we had to wait, I think it's a healthy thing as a fan. And it was really Rise of Skywalker that made me realize this. And w- we'll get into that when we talk about that movie. Is this idea that not everything is for you. And just because you like or don't like something doesn't mean, you know, has nothing to do with how anybody else feels. And that's mm-hmm. great. Like if I dislike something and somebody else likes it, then I'm so happy for them. And I I want everybody to enjoy everything they see. Now, mm-hmm. I'm happy to have a conversation with somebody about what we like or don't like or what works or doesn't work. But overall, I'm not in this world to yuck anybody's yum. Yeah. If you yeah. like if you like mayonnaise, dunk your fries in it, man. No, don't do that. <laughs> let's talk about... <laughs> I think we... let's, let's pump the brakes out. Yeah. Yeah. What, Hang what, on. Don't get crazy. We're not talking about french fries, the most sacred of all foods. Mark. <laughs> For goodness sakes. Well, that's where it starts. Where does it stop? Frosty. It mayonnaise? stops at Frosty. Is what you, is, oh, so, oh, not... You don't put mayonnaise on a Frosty. You dunk fries in a Frosty. Mm. Hal, do you put mayonnaise on your Frosty? No. <laughs> it's when it's the weekend, I do whatever I want. I don't even remember. I blacked out. I don't count points on this day. <laughs> exactly. So we all agree that The Force Awakens is a good movie. It has a lot of really strong stuff in it. It introduces us to Ray and mm-hmm. Finn and Poe Dameron and Mascanada and BB-8, who are all very good characters. And we are given that familiar idea of, all right, Ray is our Luke and... Poe is maybe a little bit more of a Han Solo type character. Mm-hmm. Then comes Return of the Jedi. Or no, sorry. Then comes the then Last comes, Jedi. Oh man, I got I've been doing this wrong the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> then comes The Last Jedi, at least mm-hmm. in 2017, written and directed by Ryan Johnson, who, full disclosure, is is a friend of both mine and Mark's. Mm-hmm. That said, I'm going to throw this out there. My personal opinion is that I think it is or was at the time of its release, the most important of the eight films that had come out at that time. I'll tell you why, and I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on this as people who know way more about the extended and all of the lore of Star Wars than I do. What I love about that movie was it took what had been a very narrow focus on a small group of people and shifted the lens and widened it enough to where you realize like, oh, there's a lot more going on in this galaxy than just the Skywalker family. And just the struggle between this small group of characters. So what happens when you leave that movie, it could go in a million different ways, all of which could be very satisfying 
including like there are other Jedi out there who aren't part of the same bloodline. And for that reason, I was blown away by the movie for that reason, among many others. It immediately occupied a top three spot for Star Wars movies for that reason, because it I felt like it subverted a lot of what I expected out of a film after getting something that gave me everything that I would have expected. Like, let's shake it up. How did the two of you feel coming out of Last Jedi? Like the second I walked out of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was I was struggling. Yeah. 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 Which uh, we have a mutual friend in uh, Joseph Scrimshaw as well. We do. And uh, I think he was one of the first people I remember using the term prequelist, where it's just like, you know, defending its right to exist, where I've I've come around on The Last Jedi, but I just I walked out of that. I think mostly I wasn't ready for Luke Skywalker to die. Right. And Mm. I was just it challenged me as a fan in a lot of ways. And I think it changed my attitude as a fan. Mm. Uh I'm always going to kind of have that first impression of just like, man, I don't know how I feel about this. I certainly liked it more and more as I watched it, but I will always remember just being like kind of confused. And like we had our group of people, it was just running the gamut. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. Yeah. And I was just like, I have to process. (laughs) That's kind (laughs) of how I felt. I remember. Yeah. I remember it looked kind of like the look on your face after we came out and I was like, are you okay? (laughs) I loved this movie. I came out of it loving it. Cinematically, it's gorgeous. I love these like broad messages that it introduces, uh, not ironically, not fighting what you hate, but saving what you love. I say ironically because of the kind of the discourse that it created, but mm-hmm. everything with Luke, you know, I, I guess I just wasn't as attached to Luke's character as you were, Alex, because I was just like, this all makes sense to me. Like, he became a grouchy old man. He thought he really messed up. So he went to Octo and he was like, I'm going to go here and I'm going to stay here. I'm going to disconnect from the force and then I'm going to die here. Like, that's what I deserve. But then you see him kind of like shift and realize, okay, I can do something. I can't do what they want me to do, but I can do what I think will help, which is to give them a chance. And him kind of like sacrificing himself in the end to do what he did. I was just like, this is genius. I mm. love this for Luke's character. And obviously, a ton of people think differently. <laughs> but yeah, every time I watch this movie, I find more about it to love. So yeah, that's, I, that's how I, I, I feel about it. <laughs> I forgot that like I, I brought up Joseph and the prequelist thing for a reason. And then just <laughs> oh, yeah. Up. Something that I love that he says all the time is like, just engage with the story that is presented to you and not the one that, you know, you want to see. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely something that I was fully in on everything that was going on with Luke. I, I actually loved the revelation of like him and Kylo Ren in the hut where a lot of people are like, Luke would never do that. And in my mind, I was like, that's why he's acting this way. I get it. Yeah. He made a big mistake and he's dealing with it terribly. That mm-hmm. made sense, but I kind of still wanted him to come back and then be like, all right, but in the next movie, he'll be all in and he'll be the Luke we know and love. <laughs> so like when he passed away, I was like, what? <laughs> it, but really remembering kind of those ideas of engage with the story and mm-hmm. figure out why Ryan Johnson told it this way. And I, I honestly think that it shifted the way I look at Star Wars a lot, where we've been a very lore-based channel. We still are, but mm-hmm. I think I didn't start really digging into 
the themes and what Star Wars is trying to say and how and why. I think The Last Jedi made me a more curious and open-minded fan, but it wasn't like an immediate, like, this is the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen. (laughs) It's an important one. It's definitely one of the very important ones. And I think that's one of the great things about it. Like you mentioned, like you did, you weren't ready to see Luke Skywalker die. I felt the same. I was like, Oh, you wait, they can't kill Luke Skywalker. Like, Well, one movie ago, they killed Han Solo. I do have a DVD player. Like I can see Han Solo whenever I want. Most movie characters only get one movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of the moments which happens at the very beginning of the film that people have a problem with is him tossing the lightsaber off the cliff. That after this huge moment at the end of Force Awakens where we see Luke and he's handed this lightsaber, we don't know what is going to happen. We've been given no indication what's going to happen. We only know that he's gone and in hiding, which makes sense. It's what Jedis do. They mm-hmm. go and hide. Yeah, nobody got mad at Yoda for doing it. Or Obi-Wan. He had Obi-Wan who was watching over him, but in hiding. And then he had to go find the other Jedi Master, the most powerful of all the Jedi Masters, who was in hiding. After, you know, I mean, suffering defeat, there was nothing they could do. They kind of had to hightail it. But that is modeled behavior for him in a certain way, from Mm -hmm. a certain point of view. And Mm -hmm. learning that backstory of why he's in hiding is, it seems to me like the theme of this film is what does it mean to be a hero? From Poe learning what it is to lead to uh, Finn and Rose, you know, to Rose Tico, which I think is a great character Mm -hmm. and a real, like, again, introducing more diverse female characters is never a bad thing. And I think Mm -hmm. her performance is great. And she adds a human it's also like almost a rosencrantz and gildenstern are dead of who are the characters that are living around this so mm-hmm. you see a bomber die at the beginning of the film on this bombing run and normally in a movie you go well well that nameless character died without thinking like oh yeah they have a sister mm-hmm. who is as dedicated to the cause and even more so now because otherwise what did her sister die for that this mm-hmm. is something that they believe in and i just like <laughs> There are certainly ways in which it will hit you over the head, the Kento bite stuff, Mm -hmm. and be hit or miss, and definitely feels like capitalism sucks. (laughs) Do you get it? That capitalism is bad. We are showing you super rich people here, and it's very, very bad. But also, there's a lot of great stuff happening on there. I like, I can't remember his name, Benicio Del Toro. Oh, he's great. DJ, yeah. 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 Yeah, just what yeah. The, and it subverts expectations along the way that you expect him to show up at the end and be a bigger part of the story. But he's not. Mm-hmm. He's out for himself. And that's ultimately mm-hmm. what he's going to do. And then see you later. I'm not going to show yeah. I'm not I'm not Lando Calrissian where I'm going to become a general in your army after yeah. essentially double crossing you. Mm-hmm. I, I love the way that they have like Rose as a character herself is great. And like you said, just kind of everyday people. She's like, I work behind pipes all day, but she ends up making such a difference. And between Rose and DJ, like these two characters are helping Finn realize this big picture because he's just been a stormtrooper's whole life and he's still kind of struggling with his place. And like, is he part of the resistance? How, like, where does he fit into all this? And I like that Rose and DJ kind of help him along his journey of figuring out just what the right thing to do is. Yeah. I, I, th- that relationship I love 
I love Rose in general. I think she got shortchanged brutally in the third movie. If you want to see the whole chessboard, show us a pawn. You know what I mean? Like, show us the person who's just around pipes all day, but still has the little slidey ring with the Rebel Alliance logo in it. Have her be the one that knows how to calm down these kids. Like, Mm -hmm. give her her own special powers. Like, yeah, I was so bummed to see her have three lines in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Also, the the Ray and Kylo Ren stuff is really like watching that relationship get explored and how complex it is. Mm-hmm. And th- there are complex relationships abound in Star Wars from Luke Skywalker having to confront his father. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of baggage that everybody's carrying around. But the idea of Kylo Ren destroying this helmet and trying to step out into who he thinks he is or should be. And that whole sequence in the throne, the first of all, the, the fight in the throne room is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Two of them. And you if, think if it's you want to talk about moments. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is that's the most iconic of the new trilogy, I think, mm. is visually. It's just perfect. Oh, we didn't really nice. talk much about Snoke when we were talking about The Force Awakens yeah. and his yeah. introduction. But me and Alex, that moment where he just straight up dies in Last Jedi and that fight happens we just lit up. We were like, they're I mean, doing it. And we, we, we spent two years being so confused as to like, why is everyone latching on to Snoke and who is mm-hmm. Snoke? And like all these theories around Snoke. And I was like, he's just Snoke. I don't know why, like what's the big deal about Snoke. And so, yeah, when he gets cut in half, mm-hmm. I, I, that was the first time I cheered in that movie. Just yeah. being like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Snoke hadn't previously been part of any of the books or anything. Had he, nope. he was brand new. It was like, it, Snoke felt to me like J.J. Abrams, if he's just recreating characters, was like, okay, let's have an emperor, but can we make him way bigger? And you're like, okay, here's a giant emperor. Great. Yeah. For a movie that I was like throughout just kind of on a roller coaster of like, they're doing some stuff that I really like and some that I'm really questioning, but I, I'm not that emotional of a moviegoer. I'm a very quiet, like, I just sit and I watch and I nod. I'm like, yeah. But I think I screamed three times watching The Last Jedi, like, just in a shock and awe and just having a great time. And the throne room was a that lot was, of that. That was one of them for sure. And everything about Snoke's character and, like, after he dies, you start to realize, like, he was really only there to show us more about Kylo Ren's journey. Mm-hmm. Kylo goes on to say, like, we have to let old things die, you know, and Snoke's dead. The tongue being out is, like, <laughs> the definitive, you're dead. It happened with Jabba. His tongue was out. He is dead. He's not That's coming not. back. <laughs> it's the cinematic sign for dead person. The way that X's over the eyes yeah. are in comic strips. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or the uh, angel version of you ascending, <laughs> playing a harp with a robe and, and a halo. That idea of let the old things die is another major. Like if you were to, to if I were to pick a statement for that movie, it would be that because a lot of The Force Awakens was let's bring the old things back. Mm-hmm. Which is great. But now Ryan Johnson is saying, all right, let's get rid of all your notions. Now you've seen the villain and your protagonist work together to take down what you think is the big bad, only to see that it's really about Kylo Ren wanting to get rid of that and create something brand mm-hmm. new and have her by his side. It's not, I'm going to turn you into Sith, that eternal struggle. It's like, I don't care. The Jedi and the Sith are like, I don't care about any of it. I want to create a new galaxy i'm tired of you know he's yeah. never really had an identity i love of. i love in the elevator scene when they're both like i saw your future and you're gonna stand with me 
and like, well, I saw your future and no, you're going to come to the light side. And like, I love that they both in my mind saw the same thing of Mm -hmm. them, like back to back fighting together, but they just assumed that what they wanted was true. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really, really nice. And like his, I think Adam Driver is great in all three movies. I think he's at his best in this one. That mm-hmm. entire scene of him like trying to get her to join him, and then the rage he has afterwards. All the stuff on cr- the crate stuff is looks so good. Like every, every, you could hang almost every frame of that in a museum. Mm-hmm. Also, you, you're talking about the letting old things die. I I see a lot of people like latch onto that as if it's a theme of the movie, but I like that it's. A, it's the bad guy saying it, and he's not mm-hmm. completely right. It's the, we can recognize the old things, but don't let it dominate your future. Like, Ray still takes the Jedi books, and it's like, you can mm-hmm. still learn from the past and adapt yes. it to what you need it to be. Yeah. I like where it leaves them off, too. It feels like there are very few Resistance members left. So how are they going to rebuild? What is their next move going to be? And you're going to find out after this break. Ooh, well done. When we talk about The Rise of Skywalker from 2019. As you know, it is Max Fun Drive, so we're going to talk to you a little bit about that during the break and then we will be back to settle this once and for all. We're taking a brief break from this episode because this is a very special time of year for all of the Max Fun shows. It's Max Fun Drive. That's right. I don't know if you know this, but Max Fun's business model is completely artist owned and audience supported, which means when you become a member, you are directly affecting our ability to continue to do We Got This with Mark and Hal, as well as Maximum Fun's ability to plan for other future shows. Absolutely. You know, the theme this year, the thing we're thinking about a lot is community and how sure. Not only is Max Fun a community of shows, but each mm-hmm. show is made up of an incredible community of listeners. And ours is more, I think of it more of like a family than like a group of listeners because it's such an active dialogue. Well, look, ours is clearly the best audience in Max Fun. Well, of Fun. course. We don't even yeah. have to do that. We yeah. yeah, we don't have to do best audience because the people of the world, as they have deemed themselves our community, it really is. It's one thing that I love about this show is that we've got this family of people who all lovingly argue with each other. And that, to me, is such a wonderful combination of all of my favorite things. Yeah. And you not only participate by actively suggesting topics for us, whether you're brand new. I love getting emails from brand new people. And I love the people who've been with us from day one. But no matter which one you are, you are a huge part of making this show when you become a member of Max Fun and you honor us with support with a portion of your recurring monthly contribution. We're so lucky to have so many of you out there who are willing to help make this show happen. You are a benefactor of this show, not just someone who listens to it. And right now, look, we know there are many, many worthy causes. There are always many worthy causes, particularly now there are many worthy causes in the world. And we know that there are some people who are not in a financial position to be Max Fund members. We, of course, understand that. But if you are in a position to invest in this show, we really do appreciate you supporting our ability to make it. You're also supporting all the folks who love the show and listen to the show, who can't give right now, but are still finding comfort in this community of the people of the world. Yes. I want to sweeten the pot just a little bit here. Ooh. Because, of course, the main reason you're going to support our show and any other show on Max Fun that you enjoy, 
and there are plenty of great ones, including Sawbones and our twin show, Can I Pet Your Dog? We launched together. We'll always be tied to one another. I love it. But there are also a ton of great perks to being a Max Fun member, especially during Max Fun Drive, both joining for the first time or if you're upgrading your existing membership. Here, let's break it down real quick. At okay. the $5 level, when you do $5 a month or more, you get access to all of the bonus content from every single show, including some brand new stuff for this year. So every show, all the way back to our first piece of bonus content. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. This listener right here, they get everything? I like that you're learning this for the first time because I think you might be. I don't know if we're doing a Pete's Dragon where you're red buttons. Yeah. I don't know say. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> but it's all these years of content. Our very first... Do you remember our first piece? Mark, do you remember our very first piece of bonus content that we did together? Was it us trying to figure out the best soda in Atlanta at the World of Coca-Cola? It was not. It was... That was a great, was great that bonus two? video. No, our first one was best seat on an airplane. Oh, that we recorded on an airplane. Oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't. Wait, hold on. I'm just remembering. It was whether you should recline your seat or not. And it is such a good episode that sometimes I think about it and go, oh, man, I can't believe the only way to get this is because it's voting. Yeah, it's that's so the good. episode that changed my mind. Exactly. And we learned about the seat defender. But I don't want to mm-hmm. tell this year we are doing something very special. We usually talk about the best of something. Mm-hmm. This time we talked about the worst, which is the worst chore. And it's between laundry and doing dishes, of course. Yeah. And you already have an opinion as soon as I said that. The only way of you're going to find out what we thought is becoming a member at, at a minimum the $5 level or more. Now, whatever, we're going to talk about a few more levels. But if you decide to join at a higher level, you get all the stuff below. Yeah. So let's talk about what you get at the $10 per month level. If you join or upgrade at $10 per month or more, you get a maximum fun show pin of your choice. Now, this is one of my favorite things that happens every year. Each show gets a pin designed for that show. Yes. We've had some crazy ones in the past. We had, they're usually based on uh, small inside jokes within the show. So if you know, you know, kind of stuff. That's right. This year, we have decided that we are going to make a pin out of Hal's worst opinion. No, it was yours. No, this is Hal's worst opinion. How dare you? Because this is what I went into the episode thinking, clearly pretzel shape is the best pretzel shape. But Hal being from Philadelphia had decided before the episode began that whatever happened in that episode, he was not going to allow pretzel shape to win the best pretzel shape because that's not how they do it in Philly. That's true. This pin is a picture of the shape of a pretzel. That says written around it, this is not the best pretzel shape. It's Hal's worst opinion, and you can wear it proudly on your lapel to your high school reunion or whatever. (laughs) And people will be like, well, I don't understand. That's a shape of a pretzel. And it says, why is that not the best pretzel shape? And then you can smugly look at them and throw your hands up in the air and go, I don't know. Ask Hal. Please listen. First of all, Mark, (laughs) this is terrible. Number two, I, this is what I really want. When you go to maximumfund.org forward slash joy to become a member, go at that $10 level if you're able and then get the pin. And then if you're single, the next time you go on a date with someone, say, I'll be the one with the pretzel pin on. Like that, <laughs> use that as your identifier. That's not too much. To, I know we're asking a lot in this break, but yeah. that would be a, a special ask. Just for me. This is my favorite pin we've ever done, by the it's way. So we've done good. some great ones. It Mashed really potatoes was great. Wrench was fight great. was great. Yes. This is not the best pretzel shape. This is, 
It's so Magritte to me, this one, <laughs> because it clearly is a pipe, and this clearly is the best pretzel shape. <laughs> Ce n'est pas un best pretzel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, this is really fun. This is at the $20 or more level. I just want to throw this out there. Mm-hmm. There is a Max Fun Take a Minute Tea Kit. It's a custom tea tin with beautiful art by Atomic Pixies. It's a rocket-shaped tea infuser in there and a special custom Max Fun blend of tea from our partners at Wishes Tea. Describe the tea, Hal. Well, what it is is a bunch of herbs that you <laughs> soak in hot water, and then it tastes like a delicious tea when you're done. This has been a very difficult year for everybody on the planet Earth. And so self-care is super important, and this is about you taking a minute for yourself and enjoying a nice, comforting, hot beverage and this is the thank you gift again for joining and upgrading the $20 per month or more plus you're getting the pin plus you're getting all of the bonus content from this year and years past so if you've joined or upgraded already thank you thank you thank so you. much convince others to do it you can still be active if you want but we certainly appreciate everything you've done and if you're ready to do it right now we will wait for you while you go to maximumfund.org slash join it is super easy to do, but remember, crucially, if you want to support this show, they're going to ask you which shows you support. That's not just a survey for fun. Every show you select will benefit from a portion of that recurring monthly contribution. So if you want to support, we got this specifically, and I think we deserve it. I think we do good work, and I think that you wouldn't come back if we didn't. This is the time for you to show that support and show that love by checking the box for We Got This with Mark and Hal at MaximumFun.org slash join. Oh, oh, I thought we were leaving the space for them to go and do it right now. Oh, yeah. You probably just go play the episode. We should probably. Yeah. You know what? We should probably just play the episode. That was a bad idea to take the break. Go ahead. Enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. There is one movie left. On our list, but leading into that movie, you mentioned something right before the break, Hal, Mm -hmm. that I kind of love about this is things have gotten more complicated. Yes, but at the end of The Last Jedi, it's so clear where all the mentioning chess, where all the chess pieces are on the board. Like in the prequels, some of these movies would begin and I'd be like, okay, someone do a 15 minute scrawl of What the heck is going on? Where are all the pieces? This one is really easy. They're not that many rebels and they're doing what they can to survive against the new order, which is uh, big and terrifying. This one, first order or the first order, not new order. Uh, That's a, an amazing band. That comes up later in the film. The new order, the the new order. order. That's the the final final order. order. Yeah. (laughs) But this movie begins with. We know exactly what's happening. There's very few of these guys. It's so like the grand scheme war stuff of this movie is very palatable. It's big, bad, powerful group, teeny little group of rebels that I can understand. But this once again, I remember how Hal was when this movie came out. Our first conversations after this, much like the previous uh, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker was a uh, pretty controversial one. What do you guys think? Alex, Molly? <laughs> How'd you come out of this movie? Uh, there are parts. There's there's a lot I like about this movie. And again, same with most of the Star Wars movies. The more I watch them, the more I find to love about them. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> there are parts <laughs> of this movie where 
physically in the theater, I literally sank in my seat. Ooh. Just kind of the life left my eyes a few times. And I came out in kind of a daze. And I was like, what just happened? What did I just watch? <laughs> it, uh, yeah. it, it, it was interesting because that was the first time I had had that powerful of a reaction to a Star Wars film. Mm -hmm. And it took some time for me to process this movie. It took a couple of watches. It took, to be honest, Joseph Scrimshaw um, <laughs> yeah. explaining to me, you know, some of the Ray Palpatine stuff. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> highly recommend listening to his Star Wars counseling, counseling yeah. episode mm -hmm. on, on oh this movie. It sounds yeah. like you had the opposite reactions to Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Yes? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. As just a fan in general, I'm not swimming deep enough in the pool to have hated one and loved the other. I enjoyed both of them a lot. I loved what Ryan Johnson did in Last Jedi. But in this one in particular, there were some moments where as a movie fan or as a, there were moments in this one as a Star Wars fan that I was like, Oh, come on. But there were also some moments in this one that as a movie fan, I was like, yay, <laughs> all of the people of all of the planets showed up to help at the end. Like there, it is all candy and no, it's all sugar and no protein. Mm. That's, you know? this is where, where I came out of the last Jedi. Like, I'm not sure how I felt about this. I mm -hmm. walked out of the rise of Skywalker and I just, because I know people are waiting to see my thoughts. I just tweeted like, I did not love that. No? Like, it it challenged me far more, I would say, than The mm -hmm. Last Jedi. Had you come around on The Last Jedi? Yes. When you saw The Rise of Skywalker? Fully, yes. Like, okay. The, the Last Jedi, you know, we get tickets to see these movies multiple times in the first mm -hmm. weekend. And I was like, seeing The Last Jedi a second time, I was like, okay, like, I, I get it. I, yeah. I just needed to emotionally process some of the some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Sure. The Rise of Skywalker, I was struggling to kind of find its place in the story. I felt like it was tonally a little different or thematically, maybe. I think that's kind of my big issue with the sequel trilogy as a whole is like it feels a little bit of like we're trying to say the same thing, but we want to say it different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like what you said about JJ having this kind of impossible task to bring Star Wars back after so long. And then he's given the Another almost impossible more impossible task of how do we wrap this Skywalker saga and put a bow on it yeah. and yeah. say the end? Like, I, I kind of wonder hard. if the idea that this had to be a conclusion to not just the sequel trilogy, but all nine films, I'm like, maybe it should have just been for the sequel trilogy. Cause I kind of yeah. wind up viewing all three trilogies a little bit separately anyway, mm -hmm. but yeah, there were some challenging things in it, but also I, I still cried during it. Sure. I, I oh, still it was, we are the world at the end when every <laughs> character that had ever been in a star Wars movie just showed up and they all, you know, yeah. sang the finale song of this particular nine movie musical, the Han Solo scene. Like mm -hmm. that, that's what really got me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, well, those that one, two punch, one, two, three punch of Leia, then Leia and Ray, Ray saving Kylo and then Kylo talking to Han. Come on, man. It is a, a lot happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, look, the Leia stuff is clunky, but that is nothing you can fault mm -hmm. the yeah, filmmakers for. Of course, they did what they could. And mm -hmm. 
you know, I was explaining it to, I was watching it with my, with my wife. I watched it yesterday and that is the first time I've seen it since I saw it in the theater. It is the only Star Wars film that I only saw once. <laughs> and I watched it again because I knew we were going to be talking about it. That's, mm-hmm. that was the impetus, but she sat and watched it with me and I was like, be aware that she had passed away and they were using excised footage from the first two films. So every scene had to be written around her dialogue. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about fandoms for a second. And I've touched on this a little bit, that idea of entitlement and ownership, mm-hmm. conscious or unconscious, and which everybody has when something has a huge impact on you, especially when the first time you see it as a child, that will be a ride and die forever for you. And you will always feel an ownership to it. You will associate it heavily with key moments in your life. The dark side of that entitlement is the idea that if I don't like something, that now I have a platform to find everybody else who doesn't like it. And we can all complain and we can all write to the producers and we can start petitions to get films recut or to have it completely changed. And the result of that is... I would argue almost never a good thing. And (laughs) this film feels like an apology for the film that came before it. Everything from I'm going to put this mask back together to I'm going to have Luke catch the lightsaber and say a Jedi never throws away their weapon. Mm -hmm. Like it felt like a huge middle finger to the film that came before it, which challenged everything. And this was like, all right, you like candy corn? I'm going to shove your head in the machine while it's whirling around. I'm going to make you eat all the, you're going to smoke the whole pack. You want, (laughs) you want to smoke and be a big, be an adult, smoke the whole pack. Now you're going to smoke the whole thing. You were mad that Chewie didn't get a medal in new hope here. Chewie gets a medal. And in that moment, in that movie, I almost stood up and walked out. Mm. I've never, I've walked out of one movie my entire life. And it was Oscar in 1991. (laughs) I'm still mad at you about that. I don't think I would go so far as to say it's a middle finger, like because what's weird, oh, it's yeah, it's. So I say feels weird. like, but not. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it is. I think that they were tasked with the other film wasn't popular. This one needs to be popular. What what I think is so bizarre is that both movies, The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, I think have the same message when it's surrounding Rey, and that is that it doesn't matter where you come from. You can mm-hmm. still be a powerful tool for the light side. You, you can still be a hero. It doesn't matter yeah. if you came from no one. It doesn't matter if you came from the most evil person in the world. Like, you can still be a good mm-hmm. person. But it does feel like, I mean, we just did that. Like, mm-hmm. we just yeah, the kid that reaches out for the broom. He's also a Palpatine. Right. But also, <laughs> yeah, also, yeah, she's we've learned that she's nobody. That's mm-hmm. the whole point is like she doesn't yeah. have to be a Skywalker or a Palpatine to be of consequence that anybody can be important. Anybody can be a hero. And it just felt like JJ saying like, I agree with that sentiment, but I want to say it my way. mm -hmm. And that, that feels a little odd to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, it seems mean to put the actor that plays Palpatine into a room with no scenery for him to chew on. (laughs) It's just a big open gray void. There's nothing for him to gobble up. He does have that audience. That's true. He does have an audience (laughs) of evil. An audience of evil and a and a vat of Snoke's waiting to <laughs> yeah waiting to be born <laughs> like He's got a, a, a prestige of go. Snoke's yeah <laughs> I love how just like well I don't love it but like that just that just came on screen and then it left mm-hmm. and we were all like yeah is, is that what did I just see what I think I saw okay they're, oh they're not gonna go into that okay it, it totally felt like he was 
just looking and seeing what questions people had. And it's like, okay, we're going to try to answer all of them. And like, even I had a bunch of theories going in and I Mm -hmm. feel like, you know, you almost did a lot of them. It was just a a Mm -hmm. bunch of half-assed kind of like, I I thought it would be awesome to see the stormtroopers kind of stand up and actually join the fight against the Sith and be like, give a character arc to the nameless white armored faceless troopers that have been in all three trilogies mm-hmm. like let them go through an arc and then they like they almost did it kind of mm. did it <laughs> they, yeah, gave with, one, with they brought another one in and gave her a horse Jana and her yeah her whole yeah. company they space they horses. had their mo- their moment yeah space yeah. horses <laughs> yeah we love a space horse there was more that i liked the second time watching it than the first time because mm-hmm. i was so similar to you alex in the last jedi there were so many things that were maybe a shock to my system where i was like wait what why did that but i just and so i came out of it very upset but this also goes back to there were people saying it's the greatest movie they've ever seen is this the best star wars film ever and there were a lot of children saying that and that's when i realized that like wu-tang star wars is for the children which means that is when you first form your attachment to it and it will grow with you in any way that you want and Mm -hmm. there's an embarrassment of riches available to you and whatever you like you're 100% right. That is the best one for you. Mm. That said, what we do here is we yeah. strip away your preconceived notions and we pick what is definitively the best. And before we make that decision, because I think there's a lot more to talk about here, we're going to take another little break because it's Max Fun Drive. And we're going to tell you a little bit more about what that means for you and the ones you love in your life. We'll be right back. You know what I love about doing this show? One of the many things I love about doing this show, you know I love you. You know we've done this show for a long time now, and I've talked ad nauseum about how much fun it is to sit with you and get really heated about quote-unquote important things. One thing I love that I haven't talked a lot about on this show is the fact that we can do our show however we want because... MaxFun is member supported. We can talk about specific products, not like in the movies where, you know, they put fake brand names or Greek out everything. We can talk about actual real world products without the fear of advertisers breathing down our necks. And even more than that, there's nobody at the network who's telling us what topics we can or can't do. The topics come from you. And really, the conversation comes from you, too. Like, we know and we make adjustments to our show and the things we do because of you, not because of some ruling governing body. The show is supported by you, not only through your listening, but also through the financial support that you can offer during Max Fund Drive. So here's what we want you to do. If you are able, visit MaximumFun.org slash join, and you'll see all the different ways you can give. Most people will choose $5 or $10 a month, and some support it $20 a month or more. You can also, if you're not quite there on an extra $5 or an extra $10, you can boost your membership in between levels. It's whatever specific amount you want to give. We appreciate it, and it's a big deal for us. There are a lot of other great shows on Max Fun. One, for example, is Tights and Fights. I know the hosts on that show work extra hard, but but seriously... There, there's so many fantastic shows. There's Judge John Hodgman. All of the McElroy family podcasts are fantastic. And everybody is working hard. All of the hosts of all the shows. James, Minority Corner, 
all these incredible people, all these incredible creative and comedic minds working as hard as they can through everything that all of us have been going through just to make sure that they have something meaningful to share with you during this. We also asked you what our show means to you, and we got some great responses, including this one. This is very sweet, and we appreciate, A, you even letting us ask what this show means to you. And the fact that we got some really great responses back is really, really kind. This is from Shelly Godifrin. Shelly writes, what I love best about We Got This is the community that's been created from this wonderful podcast. The We Got This page on Facebook is probably one of the only places on the internet where people can have a respectful debate. We are so proud of that. Thank you. Yes, some people are willing to die on the hill of best Pop-Tart flavor. It's s'mores, by the way. Hmm. But I love seeing the passion that people have for what are essentially mundane topics. Mundane, how dare you? It's nice to know that whenever I'm having an off day, I can usually find a bit of levity within the We Got This community. And so for that, I am truly grateful. Thanks for providing a show that both delights and enrages me. Here's hoping we all get to hang out at Disneyland again. Yeah, that warms my heart to read. I'm so proud of this community of joyful debaters that we have helped to curate. And Absolutely. that's not us. That's them all being great people. That's right. That's you doing that. That's not us. We're just mm-hmm. giving you the means to do it, but you're the ones making the community great. And that's really what Max Fun Drive is all about, is recognizing your contributions and asking you to contribute in a different way. And we are so grateful to both the other hosts at the Max Fund Network who have created this community and to those of you who have supported all of us at Max Fund and our ability to do this, not just for ourselves, but for all of the people who enjoy what we do and that we can continue to do so because of your membership. That's right. When you're able to join at MaximumFun.org, you're not only supporting us yourself, but you're supporting us on behalf of all the people who maybe can't swing it right now. And that is a huge deal. We can't thank you enough. So go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. And do not forget when they ask you what shows you listen to, to check the boxes for as many shows as you actually listen to and enjoy, because all of those shows will enjoy a portion of that recurring monthly contribution. I sure hope if you're listening to us, you're going to check our box. And let's, yeah, let's be honest. We really hope you check. We got this with Mark and I really, really hope that like we're, we're not trying to tell you how to live your life. No, you live like in every want. episode of this show well, where we tell you how you must live your life. I like to think we're relieving the pressure of those decisions from. Yeah. And you know what? We're relieving the pressure of this decision. When you get to those check boxes, check the one that says we got this with Mark and Hal. Exactly. In the meantime, right now, while you're thinking about it, jump on to MaximumFun.org slash join, then come back and uh, listen to the rest of this episode. We'll wait here. Okay, we've returned. Just like the Sith. (laughs) (laughs) All of them. We've returned. Somehow we've returned. All of them in one body. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there is a comparison. And she's people, all the Jedi. <laughs> I, think, I think you made this comparison, Mark, because mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker came out about seven, eight months after Endgame had been released. Mm-hmm. And maybe you were the one who was like, it felt like Endgame at the end when they all showed up. Yeah. And for me, it didn't because everybody showing up at the end of Endgame felt like it was earned over the course of 11 years of storytelling. Mm-hmm. This didn't feel like. It was necessarily being set up, except that it was set up a little bit earlier in the film. So in that way, it was cool to see Dennis Lawson show up again. 
It was neat to see some of those people. It was cool to see Lady Daft Punk show up again. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, it's another one where I was like, I wanted to see the galaxy show up to help. And Mm -hmm. it felt like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they did it. And that's another, I love the line, like, it's it's not a Navy, it's just people. Like, yeah. they yes. nailed that, but I still was just like, it felt so impersonal. Mm-hmm. If you're going to yeah. do, yeah, like, I love that Dennis Lawson is there, but there's all of these tiny little cameos from ships that, like, fans have known, like, uh, from Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars mm-hmm. Resistance. There's Mandalorian fighters, Naboo fighters, but, like, mm-hmm. they never take a second to show it. And I mm-hmm. just wish... We got to like follow the ghost as it's taking yeah. down some TIE fighters or follow Kaz from Resistance <laughs> instead of just kind of like, look, bunch of ships. All right, moving on. At the end of The Last Jedi, you know, they're, they're on crate. They're sending out Leia's, you know, personal code and they're like, nobody's responding. Mm-hmm. And that's when Leia's like, hope has gone out in the galaxy. And we're all just like, oh, bummer. But then all of a sudden, the end of this movie, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know what? We should probably step in and do something. It's it's a little jarring. It, it just at least yeah. have someone be like for Skywalker or like tie it back to his sacrifice instead of just like, oh, but Lando asked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if Lando asked. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying so. that I would turn him down. I'd absolutely yeah. follow him. Of course. Yeah. Lando asks you to do something. You say, yes, sir. Yeah, that, <laughs> that idea of even that's set up in Force Awakens that people don't remember Luke and Leia and Han, that they're kind yeah. of a legend. The idea of the Force is a rumor. Mm-hmm. So how do you make them remember like that's really it from a storytelling and a filmmaking perspective. What is the thing that would make everybody remember? And I would have loved to have seen that. You get what you get and you don't get upset. Yeah. At the same time though, I feel like I know Mark that you wanted to fight heavily for Rise of Skywalker. I wonder Rise and- of Skywalker for the best movie that or yeah. you do just mean in general fighting. No, no, I like I th- I feel like you think that that could be the one. Oh no, I am fully team Force Awakens in this. Oh, That's you're why team I was Force Awakens. I was just I was just going to ask like does it matter because Oh, interesting. I don't think it's one of these two. I think it's Force Awakens. Oh. I think Force Awakens had the biggest job I'm to do. Shocked. I thought it had the biggest job to do. I thought it executed it beautifully. I thought it was a perfect combination of fan service and new storytelling. Mm-hmm. Enough of it was novel that I forgave the fan service. The second movie, everything is novel. And the third movie, everything is fan service. Hmm. I think that Force Awakens was a perfect way to not only reintroduce Star Wars to a new generation via the same kind of classical storytelling that A New Hope was, but to do it with a cast of women and black people and people from all over not only different parts of humanity, but different parts of the galaxy and to launch the idea that someone like JJ Abrams, as long as they are adept at what they do and faithful to the material is completely allowed to come into this world that's existed in one man's imagination and put their spin on this thing that has existed, make it better or make it better than the prequels, arguably, but make it their own at the very least. I think that Force Awakens did the most of any of these three movies. I agree. 
I'm shocked. <laughs> Why? Did you think it was just because I like curtain calls? Yes. And, yeah. <laughs> and the whole ending of Rise of Skywalker is just an awesome curtain call. Can you blame me for thinking that the spectacle of it all yeah. would, would enthrall you to the point where you where it would be difficult? No, I, I get it. You know that I unironically love the musical Cats. <laughs> so, yeah. You think it was the cats of... It's the Star Andrew Wars Lloyd Webber of Star Wars movies. <laughs> Put him on roller skates. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Last Jedi was the Stephen Sondheim. Mm. Right? Yeah. And uh, and Force Awakens was the Lin-Manuel. So I'm going with the Lin-Manuel. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. I love that. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I, I feel like J.J. is better at starting things than he is at finishing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a really good example of that. <laughs> Everything about The Force Awakens, I think, works, even if you want to argue that it's a remake of A New Hope. That's fine. Last Jedi, as a movie, I don't know, if I were a film critic, which I am not, uh, I would probably say The Last Jedi is the best of the three. As a fan, mm-hmm. I'm saying my favorite of the three is The Force Awakens. So you're saying if we're separating out how you feel, like if you're putting a vote in right now, would your vote be for The Last Jedi because removed from how you feel about it, you think it is a better made movie? I just want to make sure I understand. I'm not, I, I don't want to yeah. put words or force. I just want to make sure I... Yeah. Yeah. I think just everything about it as a film, the writing and the directing, I would say, yes, as a film critic, I would put Last Jedi just a smidge above. Even with the casino? Even with the casino. <laughs> How do you feel, Alex? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the same way where, like I said, a new hope is my favorite. Empire is the better movie. I think yeah. that the force awakens is the most fun. I think it's very well paced, but the last Jedi I think is better written. I think that it's even more rooted in mythology. I really like the uh, Ryan Johnson has a talk about how, like, if you read the King Arthur tales or Beowulf, it's like, yeah, the big hero has these things that set him up as a legend, but then they fall away from that. And that's what the third act is. And so he wanted to explore that and actually say something with Luke and star Wars. The force awakens is a blast and it's fun. I struggle to see like, what does it want to say Mm -hmm. as much? Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing where I'm like, if you ask me right now, what movie do I want to watch? Probably The Force Awakens. But The Last Jedi, I think, did more to not just as a movie, but like for Star Wars to push it into at least try to push it into something new in some unfamiliar territory. Mm. Which I think just, I think it does have to continue to evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Just because you brought up the Cantabite scene, it made me remember if you've ever looked through the art of books there's some really cool stuff in the art of the last jedi about some different things that they had planned for cantobite with finn and rose i don't know if it would have made it better but Mm -hmm. it's interesting to read about some of the extra stuff that ryan kind of wanted to do there but maybe didn't have time to do look it's it's easy to make fun of cantobite because you're like what is this casino scene in the middle of this but star wars has a long tradition of taking things that we know and doing their version of it so ryan johnson's version was screw it let's do that with a casino and i'm i'm down for it i think he's brilliant i think the movie's brilliant i think you're both right in that it is probably technically 
the better film, regardless of how angry it made some of the fans with its plot points. I think the opening sequence is great. I think we haven't even talked about Laura Dern in it. Mm. The moment in that movie that I think is the heart of that movie is the moments between Laura Dern and Princess Leia right before, like she's known what she's going to do this whole time. She's going to sacrifice herself in the ship. That relationship is so beautiful and real and human and great. And I think that Johnson finds a ton of those really human moments really, really beautifully. So yeah, I think I have no, I have no problem with saying that that is on a technical level, the, the superior film. And if we are going for objectivity in subjective things here, I think objectively it's probably the best, even though subjectively Force Awakens is my favorite as well. It's weird that all three of us have the same. Yeah, technically Last Jedi is probably the best one, but Force Awakens is the one we have the most fun with. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, The Last Jedi doesn't feel like the most fun movie to me. It mm-hmm. doesn't even feel right. like the most Star Wars movie to me. Mm-hmm. I like everything that it says. But I also, a lot of my gripes, I think, stem from... The Force Awakens. And as much fun as that movie is, the idea that like, okay, well, we're leaving off on this cliffhanger of Luke and Ray. I totally get that Ryan Johnson is like, well, we want to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to jump years into the future like most Star Wars movies do. Mm-hmm. It's like, nope, we're picking up right there. And then I think that that starts to ripple out where, yeah, Finn's story, he has an arc of going from just like, caring about Ray to know caring about the resistance. But that also feels like you could have just jumped to the next point where he's like, yeah, I'm part of the resistance and you don't need to see that little thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Canto bite, I think that's maybe why people have issues with it because it's like, yeah, okay, we get it. He's going to join the resistance. Mm-hmm. Like he just, there's never a question that though. Finn's going to be part of the resistance. Right. <laughs> and by the end, you'll be like, oh, he's the Supreme Leader now. I did not see that coming. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how we're used to things that we could watch play out on screen, like Luke finishing his training with Yoda? We just accept mm. that it happened, and now mm. he shows up, and he's got his homemade lightsaber that he has been obviously instructed to make himself. Like We don't put it under the same scrutiny. Maybe that's the part of the blessing of not having the internet, where... We couldn't all gather together on, we weren't all on Bolton boards in 1983 to go like, I have some questions for uh, some of the things that should have been playing out in this movie. But Mm -hmm. it is very rare for a movie to pick up exactly where the next one left off. We are conditioned to have a lot of that just explained like it happened. Now we're just going to, now we're here. It's so interesting to think about (laughs) stuff like that where, okay, well, Luke needs a lightsaber because he has to throw it away at the end of the movie. Like that's his big moment of like, mm-hmm. Nope, I'm a Jedi. So, okay. He needs a lightsaber. And then you go back and it's like, well, do we have to show him making it? And like they did in a deleted scene, but they're like, we don't need it. Like, yeah, we're just going to accept. Yeah. He has a lightsaber now and it's green. Why is it green? Because blue didn't show up against the Tatooine sky. And like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just all of this stuff gets created for story yeah. reason. Yes. Uh, and I think some people like myself included, I struggle with this. Like I, I want to see those details and, like fill out a a Wikipedia article or something. Sure. But also there's no problem with that moment where he first ignites it. That whole sequence is basically perfect. Uh And it's so cool to see like, Oh, it's green. Like you get, you would be robbed of that moment. I don't feel that as much here. I think it's a really, really excellent point where I don't know. I, it felt like I needed from a character motivation standpoint, those things I want to see play out more so that I have a better understanding of where they are. I, I accepted as a kid that all of a sudden 
all these things that happened and Luke was further along and Lando was fully trusted. Like he kind of, he kind of mm-hmm. had to, he kind of earned that at the end of Empire a little bit, but we don't really, it's not really about his journey to respectability. He just mm-hmm. all of a sudden is in it and is going to help them get Han Solo back. You kind of already had that. So you didn't need to see it play out with Finn. I think you needed to see a little bit more growth out of him. Maybe it could have been handled differently too. There are a lot of different ways to look at it. And I don't, I don't think there's a right or wrong. Like it's a good point. It's funny to of, think about like where you draw that line. Like what do you have to show and what don't you like? Wouldn't it have been mm-hmm. wild if at the start of Return of the Jedi, Han's just back. They're like, man, that yeah. was crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it was thanks so for that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I just got over my blindness from the carbonation, uh, from the hibernation sickness. Yeah, carbonation sickness is a different thing. That's when you drink soda too fast and the bubbles tick. That's when I drink soda at all. Yeah. <laughs> I get carbonation sickness. So what are we saying, y'all? What are we looking at here? It feels like three of the four of us, at least, how we haven't, we just know that you hate Rise of Skywalker. I don't hate it. I, I it's not for <laughs> okay, me. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. I only say, I only say it's not for me. Every single person, because I think if I, if I, I don't want to come at it from a place of if you enjoyed it, you're wrong. Cause that's right. stupid. That I enjoyed it and I am thing. never wrong. I'll tell you out there. If <laughs> so you tell somebody yeah. that they're wrong for enjoying a piece of pop culture, unless it's like, I don't know. If it's something that's like blatantly offensive and, or, or mm-hmm. something like that, if it's a piece of just a piece of cult, like that is the worst thing you can possibly do. I would say it was not made for me. And there are a lot mm-hmm. of things that I had issues with, but I'm so happy for every friend I had who was there cheering and enjoying it. Like I'm so glad that they had that experience. And I've mm-hmm. had that experience in plenty of Star Wars films in my life enough mm-hmm. to fill them up and there will be many more. So. I just, it wasn't for me. And there are a lot of problems with it. So you hate Rise of Skywalker. Listen, (laughs) we got, we got it. People of the world. (laughs) I think we all agree. Let me get, I have to get ready for this. Oh no. Oh no. This is not a visual episode. I don't know that everyone's going to know you have. That's fine. They'll get it. Okay. You want to know which one of the Star Wars sequels is the best movie? (laughs) Do you hear that? That was the eagle from the end of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> the eagles are here. The eagles are here. The eagles that should have shown up at the beginning of the first movie and just taken them to Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> the eagles are not a taxi service. The eagles are not. Uh, they were a great football team in 2018. <laughs> the A-G-L-E-S eagles. Listen, the best of the Star Wars eagles is the most controversial Star Wars film that maybe ever made. Just from a pure film perspective just that's how we're looking at it we're all the supreme court of star wars for now just for this thing mm-hmm. we're telling you the last jedi is the best sequel movie if you don't like it you're right if you love it you're right that's what's beautiful about being a fan embrace that <laughs> and this one is asked and answered oh he's he's acting up Let he's still him. going well alex and molly life. thank you so much We're doing back-to-back episodes with us. This has been an absolute blast. For those that might not have heard the previous episode, tell everyone where they can find all of the amazing and cool things you guys have going on. Our YouTube channel is called Star Wars Explained, and we talk about all of the movies and books and comics and video games and everything Star Wars TV shows. Our Twitter is at Star Wars Explained, and we have a Patreon, an Instagram, a Facebook, all that stuff. (laughs) That covers most of it. Um, (laughs) I will say... Just after talking about the divisiveness of all of Star Wars, one of the things that we wanted to do when we created this YouTube channel is 
make sure that no matter what content that we create, anyone can come and enjoy it. And if you know, we we don't want to make anything that is like, oh, if you like this, you're wrong. Or if, if you're a fan of this random character, that's amazing. Like, that's something to be celebrated in Star Wars. And uh, yeah, we want to just create a comfortable and loving environment for fans to come and just like talk about how silly Star Wars can be and keep it lighthearted. So... Yeah, if you'll allow me to praise you for a brief moment, one thing that you do so well with your channel is make Star Wars accessible to everyone. Whether you've watched every film a million times and you want to dive into some of the deeper lore surrounding those movies, or you just want to sort of understand what happens at a, at a higher level, it's all there. And there's absolutely no judgment behind it. And that's what all of us as fans should be doing is welcoming and creating opportunities for new people to enjoy the things that you enjoy instead of making them feel bad for not liking what you like or not knowing what you know. So kudos to both of you for creating an inclusive and welcoming experience for all different fans of Star Wars. Thank you. Amen. This topic is closed. There are many more topics to discuss. Probably some more Star Wars topics. Probably going to rope Alex and Molly into another episode one of these days if they'll come back. We put them through the ringer today doing two episodes, I realize. But this topic is closed. Many more to discuss. Reach out to us on Twitter at WeGotThisTweets or email us at WeGotThisPodcast at gmail.com or go to the Facebook group. Talk about what you love in Star Wars, no matter what it is. That's Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash WeGotThisPodcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, for giving us a chance. Obviously, we are Star Wars fans to sit down with the Star Wars experts who explain this stuff. For God's sake, people, we got Star Wars explained to us because you, the people of the world, have kept this show going. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Before we end this show, we just want to say thank you again to everyone who has been not only a part of the Max Fun community, but more specifically that we got this community and has supported us during Max Fun Drive as a Max Fun member. You are all the reason we are able to continue making this show So thank you. We say it a million times at the end of each episode, but we can never say it enough. Yes, we have cultivated with this show a really wonderful online community that is joyful and playful. And that is all thanks to the people of the world. If you have not had a chance to become one of the people of the world yet to become a member of MaxFun, you can do so at MaximumFun.org slash join. Thanks for Hal Lublin. I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.